0: Welcome to the Inside Tri Show with Helen Murray.
3: This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport
0: with in-depth interviews and
3: special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training.
0: And time to begin.
3: Hello and welcome to episode 112 of the Inside Tri Show, sponsored by Resilient Nutrition, who make incredible long-range fuel nut butters. I'm Helen Murray, and each week on the Inside Tri Show, I bring you awesome interviews from triathlon and beyond. This week... I've got an interview with Norway coach Aral Tveiton for you. I will also be bringing you an update on our training for the Highland Ultra that we're doing in April. That's being supported by Resilient Nutrition. Before that, though, thank you very much, Cath, for signing up to be a patron and supporting the podcast. Cath, I know that you are a hardcore skins swimmer which I am super impressed by. So keep up the good work on that front. And if you like what I do and you also want to support the podcast so that I can continue to bring you a new episode each week, just head over to patreon.com forward slash inside trishow. Kath also said on Twitter that she really enjoyed the interview with Beth and Ruth, the in-conversation one. She said, I, I listened to it on my rehab run walk today. And Beth, your honesty about finding it hard made me feel less of a wally and that it's okay. Kath, you're not a wally. No one's a wally for rehabbing and walking and getting back into it. Not a wally at all. Patience is key on that one. But I just love how you all loved that recent episode with Ruth, Assel and Beth Potter. If you haven't heard it yet, just head to episode and Ten, So I think I should probably have given you a warning, shouldn't I, at the beginning of it? Because apparently when Beth's dog Charlie had a little bark, it scared the absolute sh- out of Adam on his run and apparently nearly caused Pete to crash his car. So guys, I can only apologise. I'm really sorry about that one. Laura, you simply said, I loved it. Joanna, you said... It was almost a relief to hear Ruth sharing my frustrations that swimming is really bloody hard if you didn't do it as a kid. And Beth sharing my difficulty at translating pool form to open water. Vernon on Instagram, you said another good listen on a run session. Phoebe, I reckon you were quite possibly the earliest listener. You said it was so good, a podcast into the life of Beth and Ruth. And Phoebe, good luck for your exams. Pete and Shelley, you enjoyed it on the dog walk. It also got the thumbs up from Lucy on Instagram, who said, I always look forward to the In Conversation episodes. Keep up the good work. There are plenty more of those in the archive, by the way, inside trishow.com. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you will know that I love... A good challenge. Whether it's Land's End, John O'Groats on a bike, or a cross country ski marathon, I have been known to say yes to quite a few things, including the Highland Ultra. But this message has left me more scared than all of those things. And please, if you don't understand the first 10 seconds or so, maybe even the first 20, do not worry. I don't either. Stick with it.
1: Shumai Helen. Hi, Helen. David Ania Nia sydd yma o podcast nawr i'w rawr. Rydym podcast Cymraeg sydd hefyd yn trafod traeithlon. Dros yn adolyg, fewn gweld y tweet ar Twitter ac rydym yn gyffroes iawn i glywed dy fod yn dysgu Cymraeg ac yn ar ein podcast. It's David a Nia here from the podcast nawr i'w our podcast is all about triathlon but through the Welsh language we've had a number of interviews through the Welsh language with guests such as non-stanford shane williams lori morgan but we've also had some interviews in english with the likes of jodie stimson camworth and luke rowe Felly, Mae'r ddai ond ni moyn challenge i ti Helen gan fod yn dysgu Cymraeg. Beth am ddod ar ein podcast ni, nawr i'r awr, yn y chwech mis am sgwrs trwy a y Cymraeg. So Helen, the both of us want to set you a challenge. We were very excited to pick up your tweet over Christmas on Twitter and hear that you are learning Welsh and listening to our podcast. Keep it up. We have a large audience of Welsh learners. So the challenge that the both of us want to set you is that you come on on our podcast, Nauru Raur, in the next six months for an interview in Welsh. What do you say? Birth in Grade Jolch Akad near Guytar
3: Bloody Hell, six months, David. I think you're having a laugh. I think it may be a year. I think you think that my Welsh is actually better than it is. Anyway, life is too short, so David Ania Great Yeah. Pamway Ruin Dervin her to them and parrot a gobelruan I've been meddleballing in tech times <laughs> and I need chef and very excited and nervous <laughs> yawn igesho to two two in question gell yawn um so I've basically said to them uh yep I'm up for it uh why not give it a crack kind of thing uh I have said that I really am not ready at all now um and maybe I do need 12 months rather than six, but I'm excited and very nervous to try. So, God, I'm back on the Duolingo. I'm doing Welsh class once a week. I have listeners, Nia and Lory being absolute megastars and not minding all of my annoying questions about Welsh, which is, oh, they, I can't explain just how helpful that is being. But seriously, I have my work cut out with this one. It is such a daunting prospect as I am so far away from being able to have a decent conversation and there is so much I have to learn. I think it's a bit like doing in the UK, like A-level oral French or Spanish in the space of like six or 12 months with not that much of a base to go on. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun. If you do speak Welsh and you fancy a chat in Wenglish to help me, do let me know. I'm always game. And I actually think in a training kind of way, it'd be really good. You know, you do an FTP test or a run test or something like that to actually set a, a benchmark. I think it would be really good to record a conversation now in Welsh, which I can't speak. I mean, someone helped me put that phrase together. Um, Yeah, record a conversation now and then know just how much... I think it'd be a confidence boost, actually, to see how much I will have improved. And don't let's get started on tenses. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: Time for this week's interview.
3: Still to come, Rich and I have a little training update for you. But first, this week's interview is with Arald Sveiton. So Arald is head coach and sports director for Triathlon Norway. He has been absolutely key to Norway developing as a triathlon nation, from Christian Blumenfeld's gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics to 70.3 world championship successes for Gustav Eden. So I pick his brains about coaching Christian and Gustav. We find out more information about preparing for the sub-7 attempt and why he believes that Christian Blumenfeld has a great chance at it. There is so much interesting stuff in here. Arald Tveiton, uh, welcome to the Inside Tri Show. How are
0: you, Arald? Oh, hi, Helen. Thank you. I'm doing well, and thank you for having me.
3: It's good to have you on, and it's nice to catch up again, actually. And Arald, how would you sum up 2021? How was it for you?
0: Oh, how should I say? Of course, it's been a fantastic year for the Norwegian triathlon, and especially with uh, the Olympic golf for Christian. But we also saw a a lot of other good results from other athletes. So um, no, it's been a fantastic year. Um, But of course, it's always a little bit of the mixed feeling because in the beginning you are very, very happy with all the good results, but then you start thinking about the results who are not so good and what you maybe could have done differently. But all in all, we are of course really happy.
3: Did it pan out? as you had hoped?
0: Um, Yes, I would say so. We have been, I would not say quite open. We have been very open and clear and said the last five years, at least, that we are going for the gold in the Olympics. So um, when we achieve that gold, that's of course that we have done what we what was the target for for this year so yeah yeah so 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 that was good but um on the other hand out of the four athletes we have in the olympics uh we see that the other three maybe didn't have the best race of their life and that is something that we of course want to address to see if we can do better and it was a little bit disappointed that we didn't qualify the mixed relay but uh, we knew that the chance to get in the relay team was really, really small. Um, but we fight well and was four in the qualification race where we needed to be top three. So we were actually quite close to that. But in the end, yes, Olympic goal, which was a goal, was, of course, fantastic and a dream come true for the whole team.
3: And can it be repeated again? Will it be repeated, Harald, in, um, in Paris?
0: That's for sure the goal. And I'm pretty sure that we can do it again. I'm not sure that it will be Christian who does it again, but I will not say that to him. Of course, he will listen to this podcast and get angry at me. But uh, um, uh, 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 the point is we have many good athletes and we want to work really hard with all of them to try to get them into a position where they can win the Olympics. Also on the, on the female side, uh, it's important for us to uh, have a, a stronger team. And we are working now really close with the, the best uh, female athletes we have, both for the individual race, but also for the mixed relay. So uh, our, our goal is actually that we should repeat this, yes, and have two medals in the Paris Olympics.
3: And would that be uh, one medal in the mixed relay and one medal in the individual event, or would you like to see two people on, on that same podium? Um, I'm going to say in the men's race, because obviously we know that the men's Norwegian, like the Norwegian men are are very, very strong.
0: For me, it's, I don't care, just we get the medals. We take it as it comes. And um, if we get two men on the podium, we can still fight for more medals in the mixed relay. So, but no, but, but in the end, if you are able to fight for two medals, we will be really, really happy. And in the end, it doesn't matter where it come from. But uh, I have to say, from my perspective as a coach for the and sport director for the whole team, to succeed in a mixed relay, which is um, yeah, something that all, all the country are focused a lot on um, and want to achieve. Uh, the gold medal or get a medal, uh, that will be the ultimate dream for us.
3: And why so important?
0: Both because it's a team event. The Norwegian national team, are. everybody knows that we train together, we have worked together as a team, uh, also in the daily basis of training. And for us to achieve that, uh, to have a team together uh, and fight for a medal together, that is really important. It is also important that we don't have so many uh, women on, on or on the national team or doing the triathlon in Norway. And I know for sure that it will be really important for for, for developing new athletes uh, on, on the, the women's side that we will succeed on the mixed wheeler team because we will put a lot of effort on working on the women uh, toward the Paris Olympics. And yeah. That is the two main reasons.
3: I know they, they've recently announced that the order for the mixed relay will change. Do you think that will make a difference?
0: Yes, I think it will make a difference. And um, it's not that I have thought so much about how it will make a difference, but it adds an, add another perspective of, of the race. And uh, the, the order, who has, has been up until now, it's been quite clear for us how we we need to to place out our our athletes. But then now with a different order and we have the woman who will fight for the, have the last leg, it will it, it will be different. And I hope it will be different in a way that it benefit us. But uh, I, I, I like that they doing that because now we and every country need to think a little bit different and It will be another kind of tactics uh, we we need to use. And um, I think that adds something to the sport. And I think it's a good move for the World Triathlon to do it that way.
3: Do you think because it showcases the women a little bit more, is that why do you think it's a a really positive move?
0: Yes, it showcased the woman a little bit more. Uh, that is possible. Uh, quite nice. And uh, it's, it's also like since we have had the order, since the mixed relay were introduced, I actually think it's good for the sport that we changed order. And uh, I, I, I like the way that we're thinking about that. And uh, it, it's, it's right for the sport to do it that way.
3: Was Tokyo and the, the Tokyo Olympics was it like a big sort of Rubik's cube for you? Was it almost this amazing puzzle and, and trying to fit everything together to complete it and to reach that goal of getting that medal?
0: Yes, I, I, I would say so. Um, firstly, it was postponed for everyone. Uh, we knew we had uh, the heat, we had um, a different kind of preparation than was needed to this race and and any other races and for us who is also working quite scientific it was a huge challenge and a lot of small pieces and puzzles that we needed to put together and um, it's something we we couldn't have done without the sports scientist and me and that is working close together because it was a lot of small things we did uh, yes in heat preparation in the training, of course, but also in, on the equipment side. So it's a lot of, it was kind of a quite complex puzzles. And for us, we, we were quite sure that we have done all we could. And we saw that everything was okay when we arrived in Tokyo. But up until that, it, it was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of small things that you need to work on the whole time. But uh, yeah. So that sums it up quite well. But um, that was the the final exam, and we were really happy that we put it all together.
3: And at what point did you think in in the process, in the lead-up to the Olympics, that it was going to be Christian who was going to get that medal for Norway and not Gustav?
0: On one side, we saw that from the test lab they were quite equal in um, in the level ability but the, in training we saw that Christian was one step ahead of the other almost every day and we knew that uh, if you mention um, Gustav that he he was actually um, we had some trouble with his putting it all together some element of the training leading up to the race uh, the last months that um, it, it wasn't perfect. We, we knew that um, we have more challenges with him to put it all together than with Christian. But Christian was so focused and he had no setback, no injuries, no sickness, nothing that affected his preparation. For Gustav, it was a little bit more bumpy road. It was not straightforward. The same with Casper. He had a, started the year with an uh, injury. He broke his toe in a stupid <laughs> training session just before Christmas. So for Christian, it was n- none of that. So we, we in many ways thought that Christian would be the strongest uh, at, at the race. And we, of course, we saw that when we started the season with the race in Yokohama and Lisbon, that he was clearly one step ahead of the other boys.
3: How do you how do you actually manage that, Harold, when you've got When you've got two, three incredible, incredible athletes all gunning for that gold medal and one just edging it ahead of the others. And you, as you say, you know, data is a big thing. They would all be able to see it, wouldn't they? They would know how they were all kind of getting on. So how do you manage that?
0: Oh, um, that's a very complex uh, question, of course. But uh, normally it's not that every day you train you're training with a. You're thinking about the Olympics. Okay, you're thinking about Olympics every day. But in every day in training, um, you meet the athletes, you are with the athletes, and try to make the best out of it. And 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 I think some of the process is to make every athlete believe that they could win the Olympics. But of course, when you are with all three together, you are you giving some more common advice. But um, is always finding solution. When Kasper had his injury, it was like, okay, we have this injury, but we need. To, I think you can do this and this and this. And at one point, you will do all the training. For Gustav, it was like, okay, we see that you have a little bit trouble on this session and this thing. We think that maybe you need to do a little bit more of that. And we just take it day by day. And the goal for, for all of us uh, was to have, make be, everyone should be prepared on, on race day to, to be the best version of ourselves this year um and and i think we managed that quite well Uh, the point of when they're racing each other and try to beat the others that is something we try to avoid because via with that is more like okay you we do the training you need to do and and then you compare yourself with yourself and not that Compare yourself to the others, but of course, when you're getting closer to the race, you have some really race-specific workers, and we have a few one in Miyazaki, where we have uh, workers who were really race-specific, and then then you of course could see that some athletes was stronger than the others, and Christian was there all the time. Uh, and it was going a little bit up and down with the others, but they were in general quite strong. But it's always analyze every workout and talk to the athletes and say, okay, what can we do different? What can we do better? What do you think you need to do to be in a little bit better shape when are getting closer to, to the race? So I, I have no a single answer on that one, but you need to pay attention to to each athlete, uh, their individual needs, and, and make them understand that they need to work together and and I think it's worked really well um, the the whole time and uh, they know that they need each other in in the training wise to be the best version of themselves
3: you've known them since they were teenagers yeah if they sometimes do have you know a, a bad race or a bad session things like that like you know you have seen them since they were a lot younger like yeah. do you ever just kind of put your arm around them and say you know it, it'll be okay kind of thing
0: yeah in general I would say that um, during a racing season most of the time you are disappointed with your result. <laughs> so so it's very often you just need to be there for them and say okay it will be better the next time because normally you know uh, what to do uh, and I think that but that is also a kind of um, a learning process um, and I uh, talked to Christian about it one time because in, in, in the first years if they did a bad race I was the kind of coach who was there at once okay what was wrong what do you need to do what do you need to do to, to be better next time I, and, and um, I know that Christian was really angry at me because he said that the worst thing about Doing a bad race is all the time you need to spend with you, Ariel, and analyze the, the shitty race. So, <laughs> and, um, but after a while, and uh, the late, last year is more or less, they know exactly what went wrong. And we don't spend so much time analyzing every detail. And they need to have some time by themselves to, to, to let it sink in. And then they know that we are there for, for them, uh, me and the other coaches. And and uh, yeah, it, they will still be the same person and we will be the same coaches. It's not depending on one race. Uh, yeah.
3: And do you ever do stuff that is with them, which, you know, isn't to do with swim, bike, run, isn't in the labs, and, and maybe it is just something a bit different, not, not triathlon, or is that when everyone spends time with their separate families?
0: It's more or less like they are spending time with with their families, with, with the, when they can. But uh, last week, we, we, we uh, I was in Bergen. We went out for dinner and we have two three hours, try to not talk too much about triathlon and just have a nice time together. And and but, but it's more like that. I know that. Casper uh, in the off-season he did some other kind of things uh, with one of the, the other young athletes, Betle. uh but most of the time the, we are socializing when we are together on training camp and when we are finished with the training day sitting, sitting down at the dinner table and instead of just eating the dinner fast and go to the room, we just spend two hours together having a good time maybe reflect a little bit of the the day we have done, but that is what we normally do. And I try to meet them on that kind of basis uh, as often as possible, where the point is to meet, to have a good time together and not that we need to do something analysing or training-wise, discussing, just have a good time together. So I, I think that I oh, I know they appreciate that 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 we have the time to do that
3: you said that uh christian sometimes gets angry with you
0: (laughs) is that is that just (laughs) his character no it's his character and it it, it is not sticking deep the thing is that he and most athletes at the top level when they do everything they can every day try to be the best in the world they actually expect that the coaches around them try to do the same and if you don't deliver on that then you actually deserve that someone tell you that you need to <laughs> get more serious but, uh, but it is mostly that um, if you are tired in training and, and or tired uh, after a race you have done a bad race it's not the time that you maybe should have deep conversation about with anyone. <laughs> so uh, I really understand when he gets angry at me, that's uh, it, it goes both ways. And uh, but it's not sticking deep.
3: Now, that's that's good. And I, and I imagine um, over the last, what, eight, 10 years, um, it has been Yeah, no, there's been probably lots of ups and downs like there is in any normal um, relationship. On a completely different, a different question. Right, honest, honest, honest thoughts. And uh, someone, there's one listener who I know would kill me if I don't ask you this. What were your (laughs) honest thoughts when you saw the trisuits?
0: Honestly, I love them. I knew that it could be controversial, but uh, it was exactly how we wanted them to be. So, um, I liked it because I, I knew the process behind and I knew that it should be like this. I knew that was wasn't the nice uh, suit but it was the right suit for Tokyo.
3: I guess you won't be wearing the equivalent for Norseman when you do Norseman next, next summer. Uh,
0: no, I can make sure. I, I will probably use the same fabric, that <laughs> I think, but, but it will be different color. And uh, the, the backstory of that is actually, um, is that we have been racing with the Tokyo suit the whole season, but in blue color. And therefore, no one has noticed it, actually.
3: That's a very, very good point. It's just then it went see-through in Tokyo.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it just changed the design for the Olympics.
3: So will you, will you be wearing then the blue one then? Will you be wearing a similar blue one for, for Norsemen?
0: I think I will, uh, I will see if I have a special uh, sport directed design for the okay. Norseman. <laughs> I like it. What additions <laughs> would that have? Uh, I, I don't know actually I, I will ask the, the sponsor Trimtex to see if they can come up with something
3: <laughs> I like this I, I like I like your thinking
0: <laughs> yeah
3: on, on that note Errol how is how yeah what what are your thoughts ahead of Northman obviously you did it and you got the black t-shirt I think 2005
0: yes 2005 yes yeah. Oh oh wow um it's a part of the story that I get the black t-shirt in 2005. And that was one of the, I think it's the only year that because of bad weather that no one except the winner could finish, finish at the mountaintop. So I have quite an unfinished business on Norseman. So I need to have a black t-shirt again, of course, but I also need to finish at the top so. because I haven't finished at the mountaintop top So. That is important for me, um, and then I know that my fitness levels is at a totally different level than uh, fifteen years ago. So now it's more about to finish uh, in, in a way that I'm actually <laughs> uh, among the top one forty or whatever you need to be to to go to the mountain top. And so, um, and I need to do that. Okay, I don't need to do anything. It's just. I need to do something different one year before I start uh, the big preparation to uh, the Paris. I need to, to do something for myself. I need to get a little bit better shape. And uh, yeah, so therefore I will do Norseman for next year.
3: And are you coaching yourself or have you got someone else looking after your, your training plan?
0: Yeah. Uh, I I will coach myself, but uh, I'm the kind of coach who said that do what I said, not what I I do. So I will probably have trouble by doing what I should do. Now now, um, uh, I I know what to do and what to prepare for the race. Um, But I have so many other things to do in life. It's very difficult to to put in the time but i know what i need to do and i know that when i'm getting closer to it i will be as prepared as i can be so i need i coach myself <laughs>
3: And who, who will your, um, the person, because if you are going up the mountain, you need, you go with someone else, don't you? So who who will that other yeah. person be?
0: Um, I haven't uh, decided yet. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, it, um, I have a lot of friends who can do it to me. I, I also have um, a good friend, um, a former Japanese head coach, you know, a retired coach. I say that I invite you to Norway, but then you need to, to support me on Norseman, so uh, I will see if he takes the challenge. That's uh, Patrick Kelly, Canadian uh, guy who, who has been uh, uh, the head coach for the Japanese team until the Olympics. So maybe like he's yeah. Uh, that would be great if he comes, but uh, but then I have a few friends who can do it with me.
3: I'll, I'll put my name in the hat, Harold. For yeah, way, yeah, way, yeah. Do, if, way if, down your list. If you need someone, I'll be at the bottom yes, of your list. Uh, but yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah really a pleasure you're welcome <laughs> thank
3: you <laughs> that would be um yeah no i mean i one day i'd be well up for it um moving on to sub 7 project Harold, yeah. what uh, yeah does it excite you what are your thoughts about
0: that um yes um it excites me i, I, I know that um for christian is really important uh it's not that for he it's yeah it's it's about a challenge that you first time think that this is not possible and then you start thinking about it and you knew it could be done and and that excites me really really well so um uh yeah i'm i'm yeah uh, and i think christian will do it uh, i know that um uh it's uh, the sports scientist uh, Olav Alexander who's working closely with him now and he's the right person to, to follow Christian on that journey and uh, I'm putting a little bit on the sideline and to see what they can do and but, but I like that kind of challenge. it's a little bit spe- special and it's maybe not people say that it's a very special race It's not normal triathlon whatever but it's challenging something in you and also as a coach you need to dig deeper into the science to to find out what you should do to actually try to achieve that and i know that um Ola, alexander and christian is working really really well together on that and i know because we have been discussing some of the data that is knowledge they are getting now that is something that the whole team will benefit of uh, on the later stages also for the pre- preparation for Paris because they are digging so deep into the science and physiological aspect of of training that's um, a lot of new things and learning I- I- in that process and, and that is something I really really love the way they, they do it
3: and it do you think that there is so if he you say he can you think he can do it yeah like is there one particular thing that you think is going to be key to it all
0: well, it's, it's a lot of uh, small aspects but um, and uh, you, you need to dial in the nutrition um, you need to have that especially on the bike you need to have a team of really really strong riders who are able to keep up the pace you need but in the end Christian need to, to run at, at least 225 miles and you don't do that unless you are really, really well prepared in training and you have dialed in all the nutrition and putting in all the energy you need at the right time and and a lot of the, the research they are doing now is based on getting better knowledge about that and they tested it out a few things in Cozumel and that Went quite well, but he still needs to run ten minutes faster at least uh, to be able to go sub seven. So <laughs> it's a it's a challenge.
3: That that is mental, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's incredible actually, and it's, I, I can't believe how fast it is. But uh, uh, yeah.
3: And do you, do you think, on the on the run, um, you know, would they do like a, a diamond formation, like they did in that sub two? Marathon attempt? Would they have something like that? So then he's always protected.
0: Um, I, I don't know how deep I will uh, can go into that, but the thing is, you you, you have a, a limited amount of uh, athletes you can have with you, and um, right now I uh, I can say it so that you prepare to have most of them on the bike because there is where you have the biggest gain of having. Or the cyclists around you or, or and then you come down to the run you don't have so many athletes you can use because i think you have limit of 10 um, so you you cannot do in running the same way as I did with the, um, breaking two hours uh, project
3: and and then on, on the bike it, would it be other professional cyclists or what like how does that team element kind of come into it
0: Yes, because um, the level, because you, you um, I, I don't have all the data, but you, you need to to bike around 3.45. Uh, and that is quite huge increase in power output uh, compared to doing four, four hours that uh, Christian did in Cosmel. And to find some active cyclists to do that, you actually need to find professional cyclists. It is no way you, you can find six, seven, eight professional Ironman athletes at that level. So you need to find some of the best professional cyclists in the world who actually have the time to prepare and who are willing to prepare for that kind of race uh, and uh, also set up, yeah, and, and actually do it on, on the race day because this will be a quite hard effort for them too.
3: Yeah. And has that been possible? Have there been people who have said, yep, we're willing to, to do this. Do you need to pay them a chunk of money or, or are
0: they? Yeah, uh, I don't know in details how they do it. But the, the last time I heard when I was talking with them last week that they have more or less the athletes or the cyclists they the need uh, for that race. Yes.
3: Yeah, it must be pretty exciting to, to be a part of it all, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. Um, but my part on that part is very little, and mm-hmm. just more a little bit on the outside. And and, and this. Uh, so so the most part is like Olaf Alexander, and Christian is doing uh, together. But of course, uh, I, I know what they are doing and uh, how they prepare and what camps they go to and stuff like that. So it's really, I, I really love to be at that part. I'm a a little bit brick, little brick in the wall, not a, a big part.
3: <laughs> and when when you saw Gustav do his Ironman debut in in Florida, what was your reaction to that? Given that he had been disappointed with his his Olympics result,
0: I was of course really happy that the, the he he really did a good race there. Um, of course, he won the world championship in three, so I knew he was he was fit, and it was but it was good for him. And and it was also that because. He was the one on the, our team who actually did an Ironman first. So we know that the preparation after the Olympics was quite short and shorter than you normally would do for an Ironman. We were in many ways quite sure that the athlete should be prepared and should be able to put in a really good performance at an Ironman distance. But we was not sure. So when you saw that Gustav actually did it, it was a huge relief. Okay, we know that the the little training we did for Armadison that that was good. It was good enough. And then I also knew that um, because Gustav and Christian had a different kind of preparation for their races, and we knew that um, Christian was really, really training well and was doing everything he can to be prepared. So we knew that when Gustav did it, it was we were quite sure that uh, Christian also will do it. So so it was a mix of everything because we were really happy that he did it, uh, Gustav, in the end. And but we also knew that since he did it, it was uh, be a really big chance that um, uh, that Christian also could perform uh, at a high level when he rests his arm and debut two weeks later. Do
3: you ever stop and think, wow, we are Norway and we are pretty much ripping up the triathlon. (laughs) You know, we're we're ripping up the scripts like gold at the Olympics, world champion 70.3, phenomenal Ironman debuts, all within a very short space of time. Like previously, that wouldn't have, it just wouldn't have really, people wouldn't have thought that 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 would happen.
0: Uh, no, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm or less working from, not on day-to-day basis, but uh, I don't think about that so much. I, I just try to work with athletes. It's all athletes. It's not only the one we are talking about now, but all athletes on the team to be at the best possible uh, level and try to do what I can as a coach to help them to improve or to the athletes I don't coach to work with their, their coaches to, to get the coach to be as good as they can. And, and I, I'm, that is my focus. And, and when I have the results, we have good results, I'm of course really happy about that, but I don't think so much about it. I'm, I'm more less like, what can we do next to be even better? How should I work with the next generation? Uh, how should I work with a woman on the team? So. I'm always going forward. Maybe sometimes a little bit too fast. So maybe I should take myself some time to sit down and relax and actually say, "Okay, this is good. You should be happy now." But uh, as a nature, I'm one with just moving forward all the time. So
3: have, have other people from other, maybe other other countries, maybe other kind of top world class coaches have they just said, "You know, chapeau, that is that is amazing," and that wouldn't have been expected.
0: Yeah, yeah. So of course you, you heard that from the other coaches, but um, I, I also know that all the coaches at the, that high level—they are working every day, and that it's it's a lifestyle for all of us. We spend enormous amount of time to try to be the best version of, of ourselves. So so it's, you really appreciate when you get. Uh, other coaches who said, "Oh, i brought you," and said, "This is good because I'm." They know what work you have been putting in, and I also know how they work to try to be the best coach for their athletes. And uh, yeah, do, do you
3: ever share? I don't know, knowledge, or do you ever do you ever have chats with the likes of Dan Lorang? Um,
0: I, I don't. Uh, okay, um, uh, I have talked to him. A few times but um our sports scientist olav alexander he he's a really close friend of the uh, down the run so 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 they're actually discussing a lot about uh, training and training philosophy yeah. so so they actually know each other very well um, and and um, i i i think that to be open to share your training philosophy, discuss it with others. It's a lot of learning that. And I think when you talk to other top coaches that I think everyone is in the position where no one who thinks that I'm the best and uh, listen to me. Everyone is thinking, okay, I know what I can do, but I need to improve. I need to be better. I, I want to get uh, this, uh, better knowledge about this, but talking to him and her or, or whatever. So it's always that they always want to improve always want to learn and the more you learn the more you understand that you don't know and, and I think that is some of the driving force to coaches who are really successful in the end um, that's a kind of driving force and I know not so well Don but I know that he he's the same kind of character and some, many of the other coaches I know they are the same driving force uh, all the time you
3: you your life you weren't expecting to be uh <laughs> you weren't expecting to be in this position were you as you know no. as coach <laughs> No, <Nope. laughs> uh,
0: but no I, here i am and uh, yeah let's see hold on i don't know
3: <laughs> it's mad isn't it how life takes us sometimes down paths that we weren't really expecting did you for a while did you have imposter syndrome did you think oh I don't know if I can do this
0: I was very uncertain if I should go into coaching and coaching professional young athletes and the first three four years in in my job I was thinking I'm sure that I what I do is good enough Do I know what to do I am is the way a coach at least is that sustainable or everyone every year I was thinking this is the end next year will be disaster next year uh, everyone will be injured or quit the sport or whatever but after a few years you understand that okay this is maybe something I'm quite good at but it's still I'm thinking how long should I do that because it's um, it's a lifestyle and you spend a lot of your time doing this and and you really enjoy being on the road, being on camps, meeting the athletes. But on the other hand, you're having a family, you have kids growing up and it's a lot of things that you uh, put away a little bit on the sidelines because of of your job. And sometimes thinking, ah, maybe I should just have a normal job, relax and, and do what normal people do. And then I was thinking, okay, when was the last time I was working at the office? And I thought, oh, that was 20 years ago. Do you think I can do that? I was like, no, I cannot do it. It's okay, okay, maybe I'll just stick to the coaching as it is, because that may be a reason why I'm here now.
3: Well, I think it's your calling, Errol. I think you're doing, clearly, you're doing a very, very good job of it.
0: Yeah, thank you. I hope so. But it always could be better. (laughs)
3: Harold is going to be back on the podcast next week as we will be taking a look at cross-country skiing. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you know by now, I, li- I like doing different stuff, um, not just swim, bike, run. So Laura Philipp, German superstar, is going to be on as well, as is Andrew Young, who is heading to the Beijing Winter Olympics for Team GB in cross-country skiing he was actually the first Briton to win a World Cup medal in cross-country skiing. And it was great to get the lowdown from the elite end of the sport. So, yeah, that is going to be coming for you next week, like a, a triathlete's guide to cross-country skiing. And what Laura says is really fascinating, sort of ditching the typical winter training camp in the sunshine and actually doing it all on the snow. So, again, it's a, it's going to be a good episode. I'm to tell you now, it's going to be a good one.
0: Thanks for listening to the Inside Tri Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Tri Show.
3: So to finish off this week, I thought I'd give you a bit of a training update for our three-day ultra marathon in April, which is being supported by resilientnutrition.com, who make the amazing long-range fuel nut butters which are just brilliant for us endurance athletes so whether you're taking one out on a long ride or you're heading into the hills or you just want to pimp up your porridge in the morning and get some fuel into you before an early morning session so we did a big weekend the other day in our local hills but while we slept in the comfort of our own home our nutrition wasn't exactly your normal weekend fare this is mad, right? So it's a Saturday night. Normally on a Saturday night, we'd probably be doing what Rich is about to do now, which is, um, that is the sound of a bottle of wine being opened with the with the corkscrew and things. Should have a nice, there we go. So that bit would be standard. We also have the kettle on because there's a the kettle boiling because This Saturday night, we're not having nice home-cooked food. We're having orange packets of... Rich, what have you got?
2: Delicious, lightweight, freeze-dried spaghetti carbonara. (laughs) Okay, and I've
3: got, in there, chili con carne with rice. So, these things are 800 calories each, and, Rich, why the hell? I mean, I think it's quite funny, Mm. because if we think back to a number of episodes ago, and Chris King says, you're gonna have a date night and you're literally gonna be talking or eating expedition food. I wouldn't say we're having a date night right now, but we mm, no. are.
2: But that's what we're doing. <laughs> so yeah, we, we're we trying to try the food that we think we might want to eat at Neudart. Um, not not so much just to see um, how well it fuels us, but basically to see whether it's tasty and something you can look forward to at the end of a long day hour.
3: And the, the sad thing is, though, on Noidoc, we're not going to be able to have this beauty of the, of the red wine with it. So we're kind of doing a bit of, um, well, we're sort of doing a bit of practice, and then we're kind of not doing a bit of practice. Rich, what does that actually look like? I don't
2: know. No, it's not oxygen absorber. Do not eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, I
3: thought
2: that might have been, like, seasoning or something. I'm just
3: going to put my nose in your bag of uh, dried pasta. Do not eat. Uh, you know what, it, it doesn't smell too bad, actually.
2: That's pretty good to me. That
3: smells quite carbonara-like. Yeah, is, um, so, Rich, fill us in on today.
2: Today we did a big walk. Um, we went to the next valley over from the Langothland Valley called the Kerriog Valley. I can't pronounce it clearly because I'm not Welsh and I, I don't get my tongue around consonants. Um, but nobody goes to the Kerriog Valley. And we did or we did most of the lower Kerriog Trail. Um, we didn't quite do the full 23 miles, but we did do... Probably 19, 20 miles. Um, we were out on our feet for six and a half hours. Um, good, good chance to test the packs that we're going to use. Good chance to use the walking poles that we're going to use. Be on our feet for a long period of time. Go through the mud. Go through the ice. Uh, we had a nice day. It's great fun.
3: How do you feel now?
2: I feel pretty well. I feel pretty, pretty good. I felt tired when I got in, and I needed a cup of tea. And clearly, well, we're going to get hot water, aren't we? So we might get a cup, we might just get a cup of tea. Um, if we take tea bags if we take, and powdered milk. Yeah, well, well <laughs> give or take. Um, but I feel all right, I, I feel like I've done a day out, mm. but I'm looking forward to having some food.
3: Well, you see this, now this is one interesting thing, because I don't think today we were on our feet for, by the way, if you want to get your uh, boiling water low, do it. So yeah, I think, I don't think we ate enough because we were on our feet for six and a half hours. And, what, you had cereal for breakfast, I had some porridge, and then when we were actually out, we had a sandwich, half of which was peanut butter and jam, half of which was cheese and spinach. We're not going to get that when we're doing Noy okay. We also had a banana, didn't we? We had a mini malt loaf.
2: Yeah. Um, so we probably know, we probably didn't
3: we eat We really didn't eat enough, because I had a moment when I thought, there is a maki d's on the way home maybe we, we could stop there and get some food and you were dreaming of oh, a
2: battered sausage and a meat and potato pie.
3: Yeah so I think we need to definitely up our fuel intake um, and we're going to go out again tomorrow and so we'll have this 800 calories now of delightful food um, I need to open mine and get the boiling water mine. in mine. And then we're going to have in the morning to test out again. I've got hot cereal with mango, another 800 calories. What have you got I for got tomorrow?
2: Porridge with strawberries. I win. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I couldn't leave you without actually telling you what the things are like. Okay, so the five minutes is up. You have it looks like a saucy sort of pasta thing going on. Um, we need the we need the taste test, Rich. Does um. Of expedition foods.
2: It tastes like a carbonara. Um. It smells like a carbonara. Yeah. If if, if I was coming back to a tent, then yeah, I could look forward to that. Okay, this I
3: is think. good. Shall I, shall I try my chili con carne? Let's uh, open the packet so that you have to leave it for five minutes while it like rehydrates. Then you give it another stir. Um, it looks mine looks pretty vile to be fair. In fact, it all just looks quite mushy, doesn't it? Let's be honest. So you give it another, well, a little stir. What's it taste like? I don't know, let's try it. You ready? Yeah. don't know, just a taste of, it t- <laughs> doesn't really taste as much to be fair. Mm.
2: Um, I think we might be putting a, a small salt. It doesn't really
3: taste as much Small at cellar. At
2: all. Cellar, like it's though. fine,
3: but it, I mean, it just doesn't taste too much, but as you say, it's hot, it's calorific, and uh, and we're not fussy eaters, so it'll be fine, <laughs> basically. Bon appétit! Remember, you can get 10% off Resilient Nutrition's long-range fuel, the pouches and the jars of Incredible Nut Butter with the code INSIDETRY10 over at resilientnutrition.com. But that is it for another week. If you have enjoyed the show, please, please, please do share it. It makes a massive, massive difference. And if you want to catch up on sort of news that I send out, so I send out a newsletter every fortnight on a Friday morning. If you want to get that, then just head to inside show.com forward slash links and you'll find a form there to sign up to that don't forget you can also get a discount at 33fuel.com use the code inside try 33 and then comfuel.co.uk will also give you some money off with the code inside try that is it for this week happy racing happy training and we'll catch up again next week
0: Podcast Network.